All right, it's time for part two of Make Us a Mixtape with Joe Shannon. I'm Paul Farvar. Marty DeRosa. And uh, we are going to talk uh, about the mixtape concept. Joe, when was the first time you made a mixtape for someone, and who did you make it for? Do you remember? Or what were, where uh, were your first mixtapes? The only mixtape that matters is the one I made for my wife. Oh, yeah? Okay. I made a mixtape for my, my, a girl that I was head over heels in love with. And she was working at a, a pizza place in Lincoln Park. And I sent flowers, I think, to the restaurant. And then the next time I showed up, I gave her a mixtape. And I, I, I think she just looked at me like, who are you? Why are you giving me a cassette tape? What I was said, on it? Do you remember what was on it? Yeah. New Order, pa- Patti Smith, The Doors. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Nick Cave. Um, uh, you know, it was a Stevie Wonder. Um, you know, some, some reggae, Bob Marley. You know, just... Just a, a mixtape yeah. in the sense that it didn't quite make any sense. Like there was no theme. It was just songs that I felt were, were important to me. Yeah. So there was some Ramones on there. There was some Clash on there. There was television. Um, uh, you know, kind of playing along with that. that now, kind of what thing. did you? We we talk about this often with I people. I hope she still has it. That would be <laughs> I have amazing. To ask her yeah. tonight when I get home from. <laughs> what did what did Take you take a hope, picture if she does? What did I you will. hope to accomplish by giving her? Yes, this? like were yeah, you I trying mean, to get, introduce her to music, or were you trying to be like, "This is me," or "This is stuff I think you're gonna like," or what, like a little or, like, "Hey, no. check out this cool guy." No, this is no, this was like, "This is me." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, "This is what I listen to." Do. Ooh. Do you, do, and there's, do a you joke, like it? there's a joke in the family now that because I was like I, I really thought she liked Jim Morrison and the and the Doors and mm-hmm. she she really oh does nice she like she thinks it's okay but it's like I mean they're like it's the Doors you love the Doors and for some reason I thought that she had said that one time to me but my daughter reminds me that you know, <laughs> were there were there yeah. ever like legendary <laughs> it's <not> true <laughs> were there ever like legendary mixtapes that got passed around like you know at, at the at the metro where people are like you gotta hear this or you'd or you'd hear a mixtape and you'd oh. be like i know all these bands but who the fuck is that band and then we got to get them here there were there were there were mixtapes there there was a guy um you might know him now his name is danny o'connor the he's the great lake jumper he jumped, jumped. He jumped in the lake for 365 days. Oh right, right, right. Oh, okay. yeah. So Danny used to make mixtapes. He almost made one every year and passed them out to, to friends. Um, and it was always based on the shows that he had seen during the year. And he would like you know either record a song somehow mm-hmm. or have a, a live recording of it or a, a regular recording of it. And that would get passed around. I, I will say that back in the day, back like and this is like the, in the 80s and more like before maybe even up to the, a little bit of the 90s, is that bands would give me demos at the club. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is how I got turned on to the Smashing Pumpkins. Someone gave me a Pumpkins tape. It was someone who knew them. And it, and so that was that was kind of a thing. And the same thing with Urge yeah. Overkill. Same thing with Liz Fair. Liz Fair had like girly sound, you know? It was like these cassette tapes and they, they would just travel around the city. You, you could get one at Rainbow, mm-hmm. the Rainbow uh, yeah. Bar, yeah. or you could get one in Lounge X. I mean, so that, so tapes were really important. You know, I always loved that movie, uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Because, I was just gonna say, you know, I mean, you know, because Hornsby writes this beautiful homage to like the mixtape, you know? Yeah. And in, in a way, I think that as it was about me and I was giving it to someone that I loved I hope she was loving me back, but it was about <laughs> this is who I am. And yeah. if, you, if you like any of this, you might like. Were me. you like Were you like the character in Nick Hornby's book where you're just like painstakingly thinking, all right, what's the next song? Where order was important to you or anything like that? Or you're just yes. Like, hey, okay. Order was important. What yes. is your rule? Because Marty and I have a very strong, different of, of opinion on 
how to start a mix, how to end a mix. What are your what are your Joe Shanahan rules of mixing? I think you got to start strong. Yes. Strong but, as but, in but not necessarily like the fastest track. Yeah. Yeah. More like more like more like I'm still right. Easing into it. Yeah. Thank you. And then get to the point where you're like mid tape. It's like it's kind of throbbing. It's yeah. going boom 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 boom. And then kind of yeah. End it, Bring it down. Bring it end down. it quietly or yeah. slower. Oh, you end quietly because I go down and then I go back up. No, I, I kind of like oh. you know, even with the one I did for you guys. Yeah. I think that we're, we we end with a hymnal. Well, I I'm <laughs> I, I'm like listening to I'll listen to other music podcasts and I'll hear people talk about albums and I'm like forgetting they're like that was the end of side one and I'm like oh my god yeah that was a whole thing that you had to think about of like we're not just putting together one long mix you're going to hear on iTunes. We're going to have an album that you're going to have right. to flip over and then start all over again. It's almost like you know you're going to lose a little momentum because you're either flipping the record or the tape. Uh, before CDs, it was just like, we got 14 songs, but we're going to go seven and seven. So there's like there's all art my to that. Ca- all my tape decks had auto-reverse. Well, that's I'm very sorry, fancy. Sir. That's very I fancy. Was, yeah. I, had, I had the well, <laughs> Music Insider. <laughs> I was a you kid. already said this to I, me. I was so of course kid. I had, I had course, gear, man. Of course I had. I had the. I had the time. You know how you had the, the, the Dolby track had oh. the, how many seconds? And I would go I and play it. And I'm like, okay, I have one minute and okay. 14 seconds. So I'm like, all right, I got to end this with Braun I Were for, from Led Zeppelin. Because I knew that. Sure. Or Vincent of Jersey by Big Head right. Todd. Like there was a couple. Okay couple songs that were one minute right. i'm like i'm gonna use every fucking yeah. second of oh and this no question set. about it. okay so that so when you would do like a 90 minute mix yes. tape or a 60 minute right. mixtape i have i have tons of those because i used to dj in smart bar when we first opened and it was about putting it in and letting it roll mm-hmm. and auto reverse it in some cases but i always tried to say i'm going to go 30 minutes i count out the the records oh, right. and the minutes, and then I'd know, and I might have like an extra minute at the end that's quiet, you know? It's okay. I, I, I didn't want to have a quiet second, so I, I would know. be like, I would say, okay, I know how this roughly times out, like, because I wasn't that smart, and it'd be like 30 seconds. I didn't know how it worked if a song was like four and a half minutes. And back then, if you're recording cassette to cassette, you don't know how long, you know, Shiny Happy People is or whatever for Mario. Okay, so the way that I make my mixtapes, back then because I always had a mixer so I uh, so I'd have a turntable one and turntable two from albums right from albums right. so I would that's the way so you're so fading you're fading over from one kind of from like starting and stopping yeah. you know like what I'm doing today at yeah. the G-Man Tavern you know I kind of like I like to I like to have a seamless mix so like remember how much time between right. the songs on a tape so with a mixer you can get it a lot tighter yeah so you can actually Maybe finish cold. That, that's another thing I yeah. do with mixtapes is, like, you know, finish cold. Like, yeah. Don't let it fade away. Just, like, it ends on a... One of the things that I remember as a kid thinking I was just real hot shit was doing the <laughs> popular version of a song and then be like, you know, this is a cover of a real cool oh, band. Yeah. And then back just be back. like, yeah, like you get your, oh, oh I heard good. this on the radio, I love this. Then I'm like, did you know this used you to know. be a country song? I People know. are like, wait, what? And I'm I just know. like, well, with hip hop, man, you just, yeah. you could just, or the samples. So, oh my gosh. I, I don't know just... what was going on. We went to Disney, we went to, to Disney World and we're walking around and I'm just like, every old, they're playing all these oldies and I'm like, how do I know every one of these songs? And I'm like, every one of these has been sampled in like a major hip hop song. And I, that's like a, that's somebody's mix of just like, I'm going to play all the songs that you'll go, what? Have, I know this. It was, have you, yeah, it was Eminem. Have you, have you heard the, 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 the Daft Punk samples? Yeah. Okay. There's, there is literally a mixtape out there that is all the samples from that Daft Punk used to yeah. make their records. Yeah. 
There's a YouTube video, I think, where they explain all of them. All of it. And then it, some of them, they is, make their own. It is fascinating because yeah. a lot of that stuff came from Chicago. I was just going to say, a lot of those artists, because I was yeah. working for an attorney back in the 90s, uh, Jay Ross. I don't oh, know yeah. if you remember Jay. Jay Ross, He just passed away. But yeah. we represented, you know, he represented the estates of the, the staple singers, all these right. people. And everyone in the 90s and early aughts were using... Songs mm-hmm. from these Chicago. That was all artists. the Larry Sherman stuff. Yes. It was all, again, they were, you know, even when, who was that one guy? Dean used, uh, Hey Rocky. He used the bull, Rocky and Bullwinkle oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you had to get clearance for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, they weren't you know, getting clearance. Jay, Jay Ward yeah. wanted his money, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know. It was like Paula's boutique. They're just like, finally, it was like, oh, hey, wait, okay. you can't do that. Have you read the 33 and a third ver- a book about Paul's, Paul's boutique? boutique? I no. did. It, it is it is great because those the Dust Brothers, great, by the way. Yeah. They, they that was what they did. They mm-hmm. created something so unique. Yeah. Again, it is the Sgt. Pepper of, you know, for that, sure. That, oh, no question about yeah, it. Yeah, the layers and the oh, yeah. and it's just like and yeah, it's up with like pet sounds done. too, where you just per- like yeah. this is a masterful. It's it doesn't just like done. put it all and it stands up. There. You yeah. can still listen to that today and go yeah. yeah. So with your mix here, yeah. if you if you had to sort of put a a theme to it, what would you what would you say? I think what I tried to do is just use the metro moments. Mm-hmm. I wanted to use metro as a as a um, you know the the point of entry, the portal. And from that, I kept thinking, you know, what's great about metro is that looseness and that creativity. And sometimes when bands do covers, mm-hmm. so big big bands, mm-hmm. little bands, they do covers, and it's it's an amazing moment where like you know, like when you hear. You know, LCD sound system cover a Joy Division song, yeah. and you go, oh, and they recorded yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, when they do it live, you know, at Metro. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm my, I walk away going, oh, I, I uh, know you were gonna play, yeah. you know, because you know, New York, I love you, but I wasn't expecting that Joy Division. And there's song. that thing where the crowd's all sitting there, and you're kind of like, what, you, what is? What and is, they know it. I don't oh, know. know. Right. Oh, I do know this song. Right. And I do know like, this. Boom, song. they're playing. Exactly. Yeah, so they're doing cool. a Beatles song or something. Yeah. I thought that moment when people are trying to figure out what song it is was the most amazing moment so yeah. I don't know if you remember well you probably don't remember but the band I was in uh, Carmatis when we played here or no I'm sorry we didn't play here we played Double Door we used to do the cover of Thank You For Being A Friend the Golden Girls theme song oh. and people would be listening to it and they're like I know this song and then they'd be angry <laughs> at us because like motherfuckers yeah, no. you them. just tricked us yeah. into tricked liking us. the song and I remember that concept I learned from from going to shows at Double Door and Metro because yeah. I'm like sometimes a band would do something I'm like I'm gonna take this and I flip it. There was a band I think I think it might have been, I think it might have been the Replacements. They used to play the theme from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh, that was one okay. of the things they did in Minneapolis. You know, yeah. they would, and they yeah. and they would either start the set or end the set. I, I love that. Yeah, I think that's the creativity we want to see yeah. in our live. Entertainers. I mean, you know, I, I think that that's when you see a band do that. You know, they're doing something cool. And I and shout out to Mary Tyler Moore. I've been going to bed watching that show every night now, and <laughs> Paul it actually holds up. Old people it TV. Holds up. It holds up. <laughs> I know. All it's right, so let's good. get let's get into this uh, song number one. Uh, Buddy Miles, them changes. Let's play a little bit, and then Joe, let's get your uh, your words on this song. And let's start uh, to the. Here we go, baby. So yeah, solid opener. This is like I'm walking up the stairs, right. and I'm just like, oh shit, we gotta go, we gotta go. They're they're playing. So why this song? Well, he played it. Buddy Prince Miles, played it. Prince played it, right? He played it. He played it in um, April of '93. Uh, you know, this is one of the songs that was part of his set. Um, there were other covers that they did that night: Sly and the Family Stone, 
but that's the one that's really stood out to me because it's it it reminded me of a Prince song. It, mm-hmm. was, it sounded like the Revolution. It just it just had that crispness, and you know, I mean, he was getting the band, you know, amped up. Yeah, that's that's a like song a band that, leader that, of being that, like you need to like, play the song well. You know how to do this one. Yeah, you did it in high school. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, it's a really important one. I really love that. I forgot one. what I forgot who it was. The uh, the uh, Ken Burns country music documentary. Oh yeah, and they were talking about somebody who was like very sp- who would like call people out on stage and be like, oh no no. It was the, uh, I think it was a, fe- it was a, a female artist. So I can't remember who. It might have been Mariah Carey. And they're like, "Ooh, you missed a note there." And they'd be like, "They're out of here." <laughs> like, yeah, of just like these taskmasters who are just like. You know, one of the things that I remember about that those Prince shows that he did, um, you know, the, part of it was. Um, How many the, people were in the band at that time? By the way, I'm oh, sorry, it Jeff. depended. I mean, okay. you know, he just in the he, 90s, he, so he, he offered like people to come, say, come on and play. So right. Larry Graham would show up and play bass, and you know, Local. Michael would come. Well, no, I mean the. The band that Prince was touring with, right? So, okay. and then there might be other guests like Common walked on okay. one time, Macy Gray walked on wow. one time. So, so there there were those moments where the, if people were in town and knew that he was doing this after show, if you'd come over. But it was really about keeping the band in in a, in a tight sort of uh, regiment. And I know that the band band members loved doing it because they got paid. He'd pay them yeah. cash. Yeah. It was always cash. Yeah. So it was like a tip. Yeah. And, and this, hey, that's a super cool thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, not everybody did that. There's, like, legendary no. uh, Chuck Berry wouldn't pay. Mm. He'd come to town and just be Oof. like, who's ever good? Come to town and play with me. Oh. I'm not going to pay that's you. That's right. He did. He yeah. rarely traveled with yeah. the band. It was just him and his guitar. Yeah. yeah. So they would just get the locals mm-hmm. and play. Uh, song number two coming up. This is, I, 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 this is just, like, yeah. one of the greatest. This is the song where if people are like, wait, you, you like punk music? What are you into punk music for? And I'm like... How do you not hear this song and be like, See, "Oh this, shit, this, this is this is the song." This is where Marty would have probably started the mix. This might have been song. too strong to go for <laughs> okay. number one. This is. This, this I is, like to do what you do is like slow builds on a mix. Sure. He likes to come in like, you know, come so in with the hammer. Yeah, yeah. Eight thousand beats yeah. per minute song, but this is Blitzkrieg Pot by the Ramones. But you, we'll talk about the cover version here. Play a little of it. So just one of the most iconic openings of a song ever. Good question. Well, let's just say this might be the best refrain ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yep. Ready? And a thousand people just go. screaming One, back at him. Two, yeah. three. Oh, let's go. Yeah, this I remember as a kid uh, hearing this and just being like, I think I was watching the uh, like definitive history of rock and roll on Channel 11. And I remember they're like, and then there was punk. And then I heard the song and I was like, what was that? I remember telling my big brother, like, what was that? And he's like, oh, it's the Ramones. And I'm just like, how do I hear more of this? I was just like, I couldn't believe that there was music this fast and loud and cool. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing about it is that the, 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 the cover is by Joe Strummer. Um, and right. so, so in my opinion, you know, I was a Ramones fan first. Mm-hmm. And then I found the Clash. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of, it was a strange bit of timing. The Ramones was a band, like Cheap Trick, that I used to road trip for. If I found out the Ramones were playing in Champaign-Urbana, I would take, I'd hitchhike, take a car, you know, take the train, <laughs> wow. you yeah. know, get friends to pitch in for gas. So Ramones was one of those bands that I used to road trip for. Cheap Trick was another one. So the Ramones come before the Clash, but I think that what I, I look at that particular show 
and Joe Strummer was had left the Clash. He was in, he had his own band called the Mescaleros, mm -hmm. and and I was enamored with the fact that he was truly this great artist. It, he just wasn't the guitar player, the leader, or the vocalist for the Clash. It, something else had happened. He really understood Americana. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he understood uh, a deeper root of music. I mean, I mean. Him doing the redemption song with Johnny Cash oh, so is good. one of the most beautiful. I mean, it's a cover of Bob Marley song. Yeah. And again, I think Joe understood what American music was about. Yeah. And he was able to put it into his music or his sets in an impeccable way. So that's why that's number two. You you mentioned the Clash. Was there uh, Big Audio Dynamite was before uh, Joe Strummer went with oh, the Muscleros, right? Or was it around yes. the same yeah. time? So did did they play here too? Did BAD? No. Okay. They did not play. They came hung out. They came okay. hung out in Smart Bar. They because Mick had heard about our DJ scene, so he came and hung Mick out. Jones, yeah. But um, no, he that that was a bigger band. That actually they were playing. They were playing, already, they they were playing Riviera and in, in the the Aragon. Okay. Um, but uh, Joe Joe again, I think also loved the fact of the the smaller venues. He liked yeah. looking you, a thousand you know, faces or thousand eyes. I mean, his, there's a photograph of him in the, the, the South Bar here at the G-Man Tavern with him with John Langford and they're talking about, oh, wow. uh, uh, and Joe came over here. Joe was a guy and a guy that after the show, he would sit and drink and talk to everyone until they were all gone. He, he never turned a fan away. He never turned a, a friend away. Wow. It's an amazing thing about him. He, know, knowing why he was so successful is because he really had. He was a storyteller, a great storyteller. He'd have a couple beers, and he, he didn't. He had, he had time for you. And I, I think you could probably talk to many people here in Chicago that have a Joe Strummer story, yeah. because he was that guy. It just seems like how you mentioned the the respect for you know the people who came before him and stuff like that. And you could tell, and, and being from another country, but being so uh, like entrenched in Americana and American music, and just you know whether you would like quote it in songs or stuff like that. When you see somebody like that, are they just like operating on a different level? Like they're, they're you know, you'll hear the like, I always love wrestling when they're like, I'm playing chess, you're playing checkers. Like, mm -hmm. but you see somebody like a Joe Strummer, and you're just like, oh, I mean, you're just like operating on a different level than than most musicians. Probably it's interesting. Too. It's interesting that the first two artists that I chose my mixtape, you know, are both no longer with us. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe was a very important piece of, of, of my musical sort of DNA. I mean, The Clash was the only band that mattered at one point to me. What a cool, like a cool slogan well, for a yeah, band. I the know. only and, band that matters. It, we're celebrating, the, I, I believe, the 40th anniversary of their first shows in America. They played at a club called Bonds Casino, in, a Bonds uh, nightclub in, in Times Square. And I went there for Combat Rock. Was it? No, Combat Rock. Actually, was it was. It was. It was in between. Give them enough rope. Okay. And um, they ended up doing. They were going to do two nights. And ended up being like fourteen nights. I was able to catch four of them. Wow. And we were staying at the YMCA on Twenty First Street because that's all the money we had. It's my Budweiser and Burger King days. <laughs> so it was one year before we opened Metro. But I went to New York to see What's the. What's your Budweiser and Burger? That's what you were drinking and eating. That was all we could afford. <laughs> that's the diet. Yeah, that was it. Was I all didn't we know if you worked Slices of pizza from Joe's as well. There okay. you go. Um, Eighty-three or eighty, right around that time, the Police also hit it, which is my favorite band. Mm -hmm. Marty doesn't like the band. What are your thoughts on the Police? <laughs> I don't really not like the band. Okay, the okay, they were my favorite band of all I'll time. You, as a child. It's amazing. I I really didn't see them very much. Um, I saw them a couple times in a in, in a small venue here in Chicago, 
But um, what I do remember is my wife loves the police. She loves Stuart Copeland. I God, got so to good. like that, that a little bit more uh, once I began to understand um, uh, what um, Stuart was doing with, with his drums. I thought that he was a really interesting drummer. So and there was a movie that he did a soundtrack for. I believe it was... The was Rhythmist? It? No, oh, it uh, was it was with Matt Dillon, Tom oh, Waits, Rumblefish. Rumblefish. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that blew my mind. I was Changed. like, oh, oh, he, that's a whole different yeah. thing. Um, I'm getting a phone call here. Once yeah, yeah, go ahead. Hello. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge police fan. I just so the Rumblefish was right. the, that was kind of turned me around on like what that was. My wife's a huge fan of, of the police, and I remember when they reunited, we went and saw them at the uh, Rosemont. I uh, and, oh, 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 you're talking State about State Arena. Well, we when they played at Wrigley too. I think I saw right. you there too. Yeah. So. But I like shows inside is yeah. a little more than outside. Uh, just my this my sure. style, but. It was one of the loudest shows I've ever been to. I couldn't believe how loud they wow. were. I was surprised, for actually. three people. Yeah. For, yeah, for, for, like, for what, for what they were. Um, but um, um, I, I, do, I do feel that, you know, that, that punk rock moment, like, you know, I was living here in New York. I'm in Chicago. I'd go to New York, go to CBGB's, go to, go to Mud Club, go to the Peppermint Lounge, see these New York bands, see some of these European bands, and this waiting for me to get the club open. And my taste was determined by a lot of that. A lot yeah, were you just kind of scouting, and you're just like, I'm gonna have them, I'm gonna have them, I'm gonna have them. <laughs> like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was as calculated. Yeah. It was more like, oh man, I really like Blondie. Yeah, you know, oh, I really like the Ramones. Would you like oh, I really like the yeah. Talking Heads. But the Talking Heads and Blondie were so big. Yeah, the Ramones finally played Metro. They did, they did eventually play Metro. Yeah, which like was you'd be great. Like, I'm gonna open a club in Chicago. Like, sure, kid, sure you're gonna open. Oh a club. yeah, well that was the <laughs> enjoy your Burger King. I'm leaving. That's yeah. true, exactly. <laughs> so let's play our next song here. This is No Love Lost by Joy Division. Iconic baseline. Peter Hook. This was I one mean, of those bands as a kid I'd hear on XRT as a little kid, and I'd be like, something's going on with this band that's like yeah. a little better than some of the, that's That's like we, we joke around about being little kids and like being able to notice like, oh, that's better than that band. You know, you'll, you'll right. sing and you're just like, all right, uh, R.E.M.'s better than Poison, and I don't know why, but I know it. <laughs> and it's the same thing, like I'd listen to XRT. R.E.M. is better than Poison. Yeah, yeah, it's right. okay to say that. Everyone <laughs> in Poison would say that. Uh, but but uh, you'd hear a band like Joy Division as a, as a kid. I'm listening to like XRT from Indiana. And I'm hearing like Joy Division, and I'm just like, mm -hmm. "Ooh, what's going on with this band?" Like, yeah, and, and that particular song, you know, uh, when the LCD Sound System covered it in uh, in their set at Metro, um, you know, when they were first kind of coming in, I was I was I was amazed because I knew that James Murphy and and um, Pat Mahoney they were influenced by so many things. They mm -hmm. were in, influenced by Brian Eno and by the Talking Heads and by Joy Division and New Order and. I would just love the fact that they, they, they wore that on their sleeve proudly. And I was like, you know, 
if you if you're going to try to tackle a Joy Division song, you better you better do it right. Yeah. And they did, and it was even it was it was amazing. Um, and I don't use that word a lot. I think that amazing is overused, but that was an amazing moment. I remember it clearly. I remember how loud it was. I remember mm-hmm. like people just freaking out, going, "They're playing Joy Division." Yeah. And that was like one of our favorite bands, and that's what was. Did happening. people know? I mean, I. How many? What percentage of the crowd knew it was a Joy Division? Because LCD I think, Sound System's crowd was a I, lot younger. I think. I think. I think quite a bit. Okay. I do. I do. I mean, it's pretty iconic that that bass sound. That, Fair. That I mean, you kind of pick up like it doesn't quite sound like an LCD Sound yeah. System song. And I think diehards too are like they're going online and they're seeing what songs people played. You know what right. I mean? You're taking pictures of the the set list so. on the stage before you leave and everything. Oh, it's by the monitor. I want to take a picture. Right. And then a lot of times you'll see you're going to a show and you're like, oh, what they play in the other place? Like, right. I got to hear what they're playing in the other place. Um, one of the things like with, with LCD Sound System, Paul, a book that Paul and I like is Meet Me in the Bathroom. It's like oh, an sure. oral history of New York in the, like, around it. 2000. So and there's always this like, rock is back. And I know a lot of it's marketing. You know, if you're, li- if you're reading Rolling Stone, oh, rock's back. Here's the issue about everything. Yeah. Are you kind of just like, the rock, rock never left yeah. anywhere. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's always been, you know. Sure. You kind of just see that as like, okay, they're selling some magazines. Rock's, rock didn't go anywhere. Or, or do you feel like there have been times where it's like. I think it's softened. It's I think mm-hmm. it's softened over a period of time. Um, you know what what you would hear on the radio or what you would, you know, um, experience. Uh, but I think the clubs continue to always like. I'm in love with rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with good rock music. I mm-hmm. mean, when I think about that particular book, I think about the Strokes. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think about John Spencer Blues Explosion. I think about what ha- the yeah yeah yeahs. I think about what that meant in New York at that time. You know, it was post Sonic Youth. It was you know, it was post sort of some of those bigger New York bands that yeah. we're, we're discussing or the Ramones or whatever. Um, and it was great that I mean I think that the the, the Strokes were kind of taking that mantle, mm-hmm. and there was like there was no, there's still a great rock band. To have you up. have you felt like the hangover of certain you know whether it was grunge or whether it was you know industrial music got real popular for a while or now it's you know EDM's very popular. Like, do you, have you felt those like ebbs and flows? I don't really watch that as much, I and mean, that's not quite on my radar. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm again I I just. I just like certain bands or certain songs or certain sounds. And LCD had the ability to kind of be like my daughter's favorite band and my favorite band. Oh, and cool. she's, she's in her mid-20s. Yeah. And we both could agree like, oh, but I'd say, oh, Tara, you do know this one song is just like Brian Eno's mm-hmm. Here Come the Warm Jets. And she's like, oh, play that for me. Yeah. And I'd play it for her. And she that's goes, oh, so cool. I hear it. So like, you know, and that's why, you know, the Joy Division, yeah. New Order... Um, again, Talking Heads, you know, sort of like Brian Eno influences that James and Pat over the years. I, that's, I think that's what's really brought them yeah. to the kind of success that they, they've achieved. Right. It's a remarkable homage, but also it's their own language. I mean, there's no question LCD sounds like LCD. Right. All right. Our next song we're going to get into is, uh, is by a band that I love. It is Stop Your Sobbing by The Pretenders. I did not know this was a Kinks cover. So. Yeah, Ray Davies wrote it. This is yeah. Did I you believe, know that, Marty? What's you that? You didn't know. No, that no, no, no. I did not know that. Yeah, this is the, this is the Kinks wrote it. I, I know you send it to us, and then I went and listened to the Kinks version. I'm like, I mean, Chrissy Hines made that song in my mind. I mean, I know it's a sure. 
it's one of those things. Well, if you listen to the Kinks version mm-hmm. and then listen to the Pretenders version, it's really uniquely different. Yeah. <laughs> and and one has Play a little of the Kinks version yeah, too. It, yeah, it, it truly has that sixties. It is time oh. for you to stop. Yeah, this is definitely this feels Yeah. yeah. This it's is so, like you know you know the influence here when you hear it. Sure. You, you can just close your eyes and kind of feel like what the vibe would be. And if I'm not wrong, I think that Chrissy was dating Ray Davis. At, oh, wow. At the time. I love old books where just like everybody dated everybody. Yeah. And influences. That's the thing, too, with a good cover. Like you said, people just are just like, no, no, it's a pretender song or it's an right. LCD sound system. And you're like, well, actually. And I yeah. mean, because it just happens where... You know, whether it's like, uh, you know, uh, Sinead O'Connor, like nothing compares to you. They're just like people you tell people, it's a Prince song. And they're just like, but it's her song. You know, we did an episode where it's like we did covers that are better than the original episode. I mean, and and this is one of those. They they actually were able to breathe new life into it and give it a new and distinct personality that's unto itself. And that's. That is very hard to do. For sure. Um, and it's a, big ta- it's a big task to take on, to be right. like, we're going to redo this song. Has yeah. there ever been a song or a band that you're just like, because a cover song sometimes too, you hear somebody's covering like a great song and you're just like, what the fuck are they covering that song for? No one needs to cover that song. <laughs> and then you listen and you're like, that's pretty good. you know. Or you, right. have you like come around on somebody, whether it's a band or a song? A cover. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, again, I... I, I'm looking for originality. Yeah. And if even if they're covering something, just as you point out mm-hmm. about the pretenders, pretenders, I mean, yes, they, they breathe new life into that, or Sinead, breathe new mm-hmm. life into that song. So it becomes distinctive to their voice. Right. I think the, the, the next one actually is something that a lot of people think that Iggy Pop wrote Wild One. It's not. It's like a bubblegum record from an Australian band called the JDs. Uh, I, yeah, let's play a little Iggy and then it, we'll talk more about, uh, yeah. about that. I'm a real wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Real wild one, Iggy Pop. Yeah, this, this to me is like the equivalent of like you see some movie and you're just like, you know, it's a big, and they're just like, that's actually based on this old like samurai movie. And you're like, how did they get that jump right. from that to that? Uh, what do you think of when you hear this song? I think about he was rebuilding his career and he, he, he chose Metro to, to perform a couple of times, but this particular tour, the Blah 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 tour, he had a crackerjack band, they were so tight. He, he was absolutely electric. I mean, it may have been one of the most, like, oh, it's almost like dreamlike, because back then you could smoke cigarettes in the club, so like, it was just this, this, yeah. this fog yeah. in the club. And like, and like, and like, it was like, he ended, and you thought it was like you looked around. You, you looked around. It looked like almost like a war had happened or something, you know. And people were just exhausted because he played everything that everyone wanted to yeah. hear. Some of the, you know, Stooges stuff, but also with some of his new material. And that particular song, I think that uh, I remember him grabbing one of the um, side fills, and he was trying to lift the side fill. 
What's, and a, he's side, strong, what's a side fill? Uh, it's a speaker that the drummers listen to. Okay, okay. Listen to the mix. It's like through. a monitor. Yeah, a monitor. A wedge. A, yeah. a wedge. Larger. Larger though. than a wedge. Yeah. I mean, a side fill is actually where the drummers like. You, so, so Iggy's strong, but he's, he was moving it though. He literally got it <laughs> off the platform. Are you I, watching this? Like, what the I, fuck? I, is I thought this he was going to fall into the audience yeah. with it, and he was trying to move it. I mean, so um, I, I think about that show. I think about that 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 night, and I I met him that night. And I and I he I asked him you know how he felt about being back on stage and he said it's just the greatest feeling you know and he said first he said don't call me Iggy call me James oh, okay. and I was like oh I like that okay so I got to call him <laughs> James oh, James kinda, Osterberg you know? of course James hello yeah. James it's just and, like um, so many so, moments. so he's a very light very likable guy very um, uh, uh, very hospitable for, invited me backstage to sit and talk with him for a bit for so that cool. show did you go and and, and stand in the shit and watch it or did you sit in your your seat I was in the sound booth for that okay I went to oh, the, I, I went yeah. to, I went to the That's front of house better, for that. Yeah. yeah I went to the front of house for that I wanted to sort of just watch what was going on and then I eventually did come back around we did have a barricade that night so we wanted to make sure that people weren't quite getting up on stage with them because barricade a, is in between the stage and the right, uh, right and right. that was a very very animated crowd i mean people sure. were dancing jumping up oh, and yeah. down people were pogoing people were slam dancing I mean, it was like the no moshing was on the tickets back then probably right right we had a little we had a, we had a little a little uh, liability I think I, have, uh, uh, yeah. I think I have some of these ticket stuff yeah. here where it says no moshing that's another thing you can get just so taken away at a concert you're just like watching some guy and you're like oh here we go let's see what'll right. happen does he get off stage on time or i mean i i remember t- talking about shows like that and then i, I the, the moment that I knew I made it as a music insider is when I got VIP seats right next to Joe's seats. But I always... There you go. I always go into the shit. I always... I'm like, yeah. I really appreciate it, Joe, but I need to... At least for like my bands like Spoon and whoever I go to see, uh, Buffalo Tom, all that stuff, those are like bands I go... I'm like, I need to, I need to be right in the middle. I got a great story for you. So Jake Arrieta, the great... Yeah, Cubs. Cub pitcher. Um, not having such a good year, but... Um, he came to a show and I had held him a table and he said, no, mm. I'm going to be on the floor for this one. What was the band? Do you remember? You know, I don't remember, okay. but it was a, it was a Lala after show okay. and it was a really hard, like crowd, like just bodies flailing everywhere. And if you know, Jake's a big guy. Yeah. And so of course I remember getting kind of like the side eye, you know, like, if you would have gotten our pitcher hurt, you know, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, the yeah. I went to a Cub game. But he was right in there. He used to eat at uh, Uncommon Ground. And I, and I said, come to the show. Come bring your wife. Come on by. Great guy. Super yeah. friendly guy. But he wanted to be in the pit. Yeah, he wanted to be it. in the pit, going for it the whole time. There's something about the pit at the Metro or, or like you said, standing in front of the, uh, the, uh, the, the sound, sound booth, booth that is just, it, it, it brings me back to, you yeah. know, being in high school and seeing my first show. And every show I think I've ever gone to, you know, I'll bring a friend if I have a plus one and they, they're like, oh, my God, we're sitting in these seats. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to go down there. You know that, like, mm-hmm. especially for this song or whoever. Right. I need and to then, be there. And that's the nice thing about Metro is you can go from floor to floor. Yeah. You can go to the top floor. Right. Go have a nice quiet beer at the yep. bar, listen to the band. And then Absolutely. when you want to go downstairs and mix it up, yeah. you go right. You can just walk in. I, no one's in the no one's guarding their real estate. Everyone's yeah. just like, come yeah. on. It's open, GA. Yeah. You know, I never really, like, that was the, the first thing I realized where it's like, so we're just going to say excuse me and just go? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And yeah, I'm like, right. all right. Because I remember uh, seeing uh, some ska shows. And that's, oh, yeah. I mean, like, 
seeing like less than Jake in in like college and just the horns are like blow you like feel right. the horns just like attacking you right and and the then the crowds when the crowds are all just together it's just like those are just magical moments that if people are like I'm not a concert guy it's like then what are you doing what are you like, doing if here? you know if yeah. you don't go see a concert <laughs> and leave just being like I, I just know. left it all I you left leave it, it all there, there. man you're gonna leave it on the floor those first shows back at the Metro are gonna be phenomenal all the week's gonna be exciting guys yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. excited. I'm yeah. going to come for sure. To this this is wild, too, because like I see everybody's lineups, and it's just like you had the opportunity of getting like the best of the. It's like if, if everyone wants to play there, it's like, oh, I'm sure you have. I mean, like, did you have to tell like great bands? Like, I'm so sorry. We don't have any room right now. Like, we've, we're just booking like crazy. We curate that pretty closely with the guys from yeah. Austin. Uh, yeah. From, with C3. C3 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we Jimmy at World has played Metro before. Band of Horses, of course, have played Metro yeah. before. So did Freddie Gibbs. That's kind of part of what we do yeah. is that we want the bands that Same. have played. I love when the they club, come back. They're coming back. Yeah. And I think that fans appreciate that because they may have seen that show in 91. Yeah. or 2010 and now they're coming back and playing yeah again. i like when the, and it's such a fun it's just such a like hey who was here at that concert and everyone's like yeah it's like eh, yeah. we weren't all there come on there's no way everybody <laughs> in here was at that show but it is cool though to see somebody who's 6, like we haven't been people. here in so long and then they're yeah. that yeah and it's like that's like a sports thing where it's like everyone mm. in boston no, was everyone at this was at game Nirvana or whatever metro allegedly everyone i tell you i was right. like no you weren't it's it like the woodstock thing yeah, yeah, yeah everybody was at woodstock sure yeah <laughs> well uh, Joe, we typically don't allow a six song. This is highly six. controversial, but and we're I know gonna, we're gonna a lot of people happen. are gonna. We're gonna call it the Joe us. Shanahan rule from now on. There you go, insider, we, inside <laughs> baseball. I like uh, it. Sorry, James Van Osler got <laughs> mad at us yes. for not letting him have six and a few other insiders, but Joe, we're allowing it uh, because you're hey, <laughs> you're the legend. So your well, last song. Let's just say why it's Mavis Staples. Yes, yeah, and that's true. I mean, too. this is Chicago's queen. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to read Greg Cott's book. You've got to understand that this woman changed the face of music, a secular singer who becomes a pop icon. Right. And I mean, that story is beautiful. Have you seen Questlove's Summer of Love yet? I haven't, no. Okay, she oh, takes, I, I saw she takes the mic with Mahalia Jackson. Yeah. And, and, and Mahalia, like, gives it to her and says, Mama's not feeling so good tonight. You need to finish this for me. Mm -hmm. it's like that. That's, that's, that's who Mavis Staples is. Yeah. Mavis Staples was asked by Bob Dylan at the, at the Newport uh, um, Folk Festival to marry him. I mean, the, this woman, in my opinion, when she played Metro, blew me away. Unbelievable moment. I've still been very close to her, been able to talk with her from time to time. I had the great opportunity of introducing Mavis to Jamila Woods right here in the G-Man Tavern because Mavis was on that stage right there right in the middle. Wow. She, her and a guitar player. I mean, this is a woman, in my opinion, that is can only get as much love from us as music fans. Uh, and this particular song is a cover, Ada Rushenborg, I believe, um, but it's a hymnal. Yeah. Let's play a little of uh, Circle Be Unbroken. There you go. A whole lot of people have taken their opportunity to try to do this song. Oh, and, yeah. uh, this is just so good. I was standing God. by my window. Oh, man. It just it changes your, yeah. you can feel the hairs on your back. Just right. I mean, that, how close to the microphone is she? I mean, that is that voice is coming through that little speaker in. Yeah. She's here. I love it. Let's shoot a little bit ahead of the song here so get a little more. She, uh, 
it's great to see that she's getting more of the recognition that she deserves. Oh, uh, for sure. Staple singers kind of got shafted for for a long time. I mean, you know, I mean, Pops was doing his thing. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, Mavis began to, you know, kind of find her own voice a little bit and with, with, with the sisters. Um, but, you know, it, that particular track that I referred to when she performed at Metro with something we used to call the Waltz. And it was to raise money for a homeless shelter in Uptown. Right. My friend Nick Tremulous and I and Cheryl Holtzman, we used to do this together. And we would have Marion Faithful, we'd have Ian Hunter, we'd have Rick Nielsen, we'd have Billy Corgan playing with his father. Oh, uh, so many artists. When Mavis agreed to do it, I tell you, I thought I went to heaven. Because she walked into my building and I just looked and she knew that I was a fan. That's right. what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Why are mixtapes so important? Because we're fans. We yeah. like, I love listening to records. Putting this together for you guys was really fun. I did it, took an afternoon and just, and just, started, just started doing things like this, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, so Mavis closes it out and I well, think that it, it's only right. For those that don't know, the waltz is, it's based on the, the band's waltz that you guys do this for. The for last charity. waltz. Yeah, the yeah, last Martin waltz. Yeah, the last waltz. With the, the band, band and uh, all the, the guests and stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. And, the, and then and she the, was on it. Yeah, and yeah, she was on that one. And mm -hmm. then she comes back; it's full circle, just like the song. When the that's just one of those works. things you watch those those music docs or read those books, and you have the people who you think are the biggest stars, and they're like, now if you really want to see who's talented, what do you, you know, read? What do you what are you reading now? What is what is your book you're reading? Uh, right now, I'm reading uh, a book uh, called Back to Our Future, and okay. it's about all the propaganda in the '80s pop culture. Oh, cool! Uh, so it's not heavy on music; it's more movies and TV, and you know, sort like of the, them, the government cool. getting what involved. What are you reading? Uh, I'm actually reading a couple different books. I'm reading uh, Philip Roth's autobiography. Oh, nice! Or not bi or his biography. He died, but uh, and uh, no, no music books right now. Yeah, but I'm we, reading. I'm reading Don Letts. He, he's the guy who basically started. He started the Clash with 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 Joe oh, wow. and Mick. Yeah, he's a Rasta guy and uh, a very important uh, filmmaker. Rock on tour. I yeah. mean, and his story. There, is I mean, that, that clash, that clash story. Oh and my god! Of just like you know, well, he was their filmmaker. Yeah, he used to make he used to make all their videos. It's just one of like how Joe Strummer finally left. It's just it's a wild story. Well, and yeah. it's, you're talking about money and fame and artistic yeah. integrity yeah. and everything. And it's Drugs. just like it was it's, all in it's, there, man. It's did all he in do there. the Rock the Casbar video? Then? He did. Okay, because there's a I whole controversy it. about that. I know the story. I about just that read one. about. It. I just read that story yesterday. Where Mick Jones wouldn't wear the. Uh, right, wouldn't wear the combat the, stuff. The combat stuff. So right. I think Joe did, right? Right, and so, but but Don made him okay. go, because he said, "Remember, this is a Don video. Lights, yeah. This is going to last longer than you think. So please don't act like a. Well, I can't say it, but he said, don't yeah. act like a jerk. Yeah. And so he goes, and he did. He did get ready and looked the part. Right. But they were upset because Desert Storm used that track. Oh. As rocking the Casbah, yeah, and Don yeah. got really upset, and so did Joe. They were upset that the basically, <sighs> yeah, they used it. They used, it, it, yeah. they used it as a weapon yeah. for war, yeah. as opposed to what that yeah. was supposed to be. Was it was a coming together of the Middle East, it which was, right. to it this day we it. still see that where whether it's uh, politicians coming out to board in the USA and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like Reagan used to come out to board in the USA. I'm reading that book. And it's just like, everyone's like, that's not what the song's about at Listen all. the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But Are it's that thing of like, you know, whether, you know, it's just like, clearly you're not listening to these records and you're like not Rage listening to the, the clash. Machine. People are like, whoa, what? why are these people so angry? It's like, yeah. uh, have you listen to the lyrics? Yeah, they're, they're pretty angry. So Joe, before we leave, yeah. uh, you kind of talked about it a little bit about being excited for, for 
live music coming back. Any any last thoughts or what we could sort of your your thoughts of now that this There's pandemic no is sort of. There's no last thoughts. There's only current thoughts. There's only thoughts moving forward. We Hell have yeah. we have we have bought, battled for 16 months to keep places like the Metro, and Smart Bar and G Man Tavern and the Hideout and in. Lincoln Hall and the double Vic doors and the coming back. We're, we're trying so hard to keep our heads above water. The music will do that. Yep. I mean, I think that the communal music experience is one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced. Maybe yep. that's part of why I've dedicated my life to it. Um, and I really feel that it's coming back strong. People really want live music. Absolutely. And I feel that by the time we get to Pitchfork and Riot Fest, Hopefully, we will have abated as much of this variant. Yeah, uh, it's serious, guys, because we've never had to deal with a public health scare like this ever. Yeah. Um, but together, we'll get through it. Absolutely. And I mean, we're moving forward. Yeah, and support your your local clubs. It's yeah. great to go to the arenas. It's great to go to the yeah. festivals. Whether it's comedy, music, wrestling, whatever, support right. the locals. You can say, "I saw them when." Sure. Um, and you'll have that bond with the Explore, band. Explore. Explore. You know, don't. Don't just pay attention yeah. to what's on the and charts. Watch the look, opening bands. Look, look, yeah, watch exactly. Them. Get the you get, never know. Check I, out the openers. One of my one of my favorite Metro stories, and I've told it on the podcast before, is uh, in college. We went to see Sugar Ray because oh. I had heard them on Howard Stern. I'd sure. seen them. I'm like, let's go see Sugar Ray. Smash Mouth opened for Sugar Ray. Right. And Sugar Ray could not follow Smash Mouth. No. And they even said it on stage. This is like a comic in comedy. Sometimes if someone goes before you and just smokes it, every once in a while you're like. Well, I guess you want Paul to come back out here, and the crowd's kind of like, we kind of do. <laughs> kind of do. <laughs> and, and Mark McGrath goes, "What do you want? You you probably you guys probably want Smash Mouth to come out." And the crowd was like, uh-huh. and it was just, well, it's one of those right. things where you're just like, and I know you know people, hey, can, now. they can make fun of. This was pre All Star. Oh, this I was know. just walking on the sun, funny. Smash Mouth. But see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. even I know that. Yeah, and, it's and, in there. It's it's part of like the pop culture I know. vernacular. And it's like one of those where like people will be like, oh, and then I saw <clears> the Smashing Pumpkins, and then Cobain stopped in. I'm like. I have a story, and it's not what you think, and it's right. just like, but it's you never know what band you'll see that Absolutely. open for somebody that you're just like, holy maybe shit, we that's my do new a favorite mixtape band. Tape where we just openers. do the openers. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe that, I, maybe you maybe probably maybe have some one. My, you, my, yeah. my, 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 uh, my encore. Yeah, I Please think that would be, that that would be that. important. Joe, you guys, we, this we has been it. a lot of fun today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm going to go back to DJing. Yes, I know you have a lot of equipment to break down here. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks so very much. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys had fun. Yeah, come on out to the Metro, my favorite place in the city of Chicago to see. Uh, live music. So, Joe, thank you so much. You're welcome, guys.